Welcome to Well Played Podcast, a show on all things playful and joyous. Together we are finding the joy in the journey of life. Today we have Carrie Bacham with us and we are diving into the world of side quests. But before we get to that, Carrie, can you please introduce yourself? Sure. Hi, everybody. I'm Carrie Bauckham. I am a 6th, 7th, and 8th grade special education teacher from the northwest suburbs of Chicago. Northwest suburbs of Chicago. That's right. <laughs> That's Lake Michigan. <laughs> it's the suburbs of Chicago. <laughs> uh, well, thanks again for joining us, Carrie. I absolutely love having you on the show. Carrie, uh, longtime friend and just great podcast guest. So... Always Thank, happy to be here. Yeah. So side quests. Uh, I love them and think I that know you do. I do. I think it's so fun <laughs> to see students try different things. So wait, before we, I guess I don't, ooh, see, I'm so excited. I just want to like jump down this conversational road and we got to like pull back a little bit and just sort of define a little bit for everyone else what a side quest is because some games aren't using them yet. And mm -hmm. maybe this will be the thing that gets them to start using side quests. Maybe. So side quests, uh, to you, what are they? So side quests, I always like imagine a video game and it's like an off shoot that the game sends you on to go on this little adventure where you can gain items or extra XP that have, that will help you in the game. But the result of your actions in that quest will have no bearing on your status within the game. That's how I always imagine them. It's like worth the risk without any um, penalties and lots of rewards. Yeah, so I like how you said that kind of off the main task. Like, you know, they don't have to do these. You could still win the game without them. But uh, in my class and, and your class, I think there are these wonderful, I don't know, side, side projects, side tasks that students can enjoy and you know, dig into, uh, but there are also spaces for us as teachers, I think, to like offer students um, endless potential, I guess, because mm -hmm. at least my side quests aren't boxed in or defined by like lengthy rubrics or exemplars. They're typically like me pointing in a direction, you know, like <laughs> go make a map, go like write a story go you know and then the the rules that i have in place around side quests are that they must always involve the current unit so i don't have to like define that they know if we're studying about china when i say go make a map it has to be something chinese mm -hmm. but what ends up happening because it's so open-ended some do the overall like map of china some zoom in and like do like a battle map from one of the battles we studied or you know what i mean so like I just think it's so wild how different kids think and and the space we give them on a side quest to to sort of explore their creativity and and try these things w without the risk of a grade. Uh, mm -hmm. the, the only thing that's at risk here is more or less XP, more benefits or less benefit. But that that's really it. That's the only thing that hangs in the balance. Right. Yeah, it's above and beyond everything that you do in the classroom, and it's all—it's all because they want to do it, which is pretty awesome, actually. When you see it happen. Yeah, I think that's what holds most teachers up because they just assume I'm not having much success with 
homework completion or, you know, I already have a hard time doing that. Why would I create a bunch of tasks? I think the two biggest reasons people don't do side quests is they don't believe students will do it. Mm-hmm. And then the second biggest reason is wrapping their head around this idea that they're going to create, they're going to, as a teacher, they're going to create and spend time making something that not all their students are going to do. Those mm-hmm. are the, those are like the two main hurdles I hear teachers talk through or tweet through <laughs> to me on online. Um, so let's, I guess let's look at those two, two main, main ones. Let's do that first one. The, the, uh, students would, would they even, would they even go on these adventures? Well, I think this makes me laugh, um, internally cause I'm not laughing out loud. <laughs> now you are <laughs> busted. Because, like you and I've been friends for a long time and we have talked about side quests for a long time. And for a long time, I've had conversations with you where I've nodded and smiled politely. And when my head been like, Michael has no idea what he's talking about. My kids will never, ever do side quests, whether they're academic levels are too low. I can't even get my kids to do their homework. Why would they go on a side quest and do something but extra and above? <laughs> spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Everybody that's listening. Or Jeez. they just don't have the skills to do it. And he's, and as I'm like, I remember looking at Michael and thinking, it's really nice that you're saying these really nice words. And I hear the words coming out of your mouth, but you're crazy and you have no idea what you're talking about. My students will never, ever, ever do a side quest. He, he was right. I was going to say, but I was wrong. wrong. <laughs> yes. So for me, I mean, you and I come from very different paths into our journeys and into side quests. And mine has been, it's been like my kryptonite. It's all, it's been like this, uh, fountain of youth, right. That I've wanted to go after. I think I've tried for three or four years before I finally last year did it kind of right. And this year did it kind it's of. just exploded. <laughs> Um, but they're amazing. I mean, once you get them right, they're amazing. And I think that for me, I learned the lesson that it was worth not giving up on. It was worth trying and trying again and trying again, um, to see what worked for this class and then getting it right, because it's been absolutely amazing to see the students go on these side quests for me. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, it is, it's, it's one of these things that are, that it's exciting to sort of watch the kids dive into them. And I'll be honest, even, even, even myself, there's a, there's a moment of disbelief. Like when you start every year off, like, are they going to do it? But like every year, like kids explore them, kids try them, kids get excited. Kids then get like the ones that earn some of those rewards. This is a, a major way to, to sort of unlock a lot of my game components. All mm-hmm. of a sudden, some, some of the kids are like, well, how did he get this? Or like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, that. Or wow, let me check that out. Then other kids are like, well, I want other kids to say, wow, check that out for me. So then they go. And then my favorite sort of crescendo moment on the side quest is eventually somewhere along the line some students learn things about themselves this to me is like the coolest thing when absolutely when you you start to see students sort of say that like i i didn't know this software and i really enjoy this or i didn't know that i like liked creating these things as much as i do 
and now like they actively seek those kind of side quests or apply those kind of skills to their side quests i don't know that's like i just get chills every time i think about that kind of impact an open-ended assignment that had no impact on their grade had mm-hmm. um and i don't know what it is and i mean like i wish uh, we could somehow create this inside the normal flow of school inside the normal like assignments but i, I almost argue you can't like the magic is in the fact that it's not the, mm-hmm. the magic is in the fact that it's optional that they opt into it i think if we like assigned these side quests they might make pretty fun projects but i don't think it would have the same impact as this open-ended go on it choice activity yeah, it's almost like once you once you hit the sweet spot of the side quest and you and you get what works for your kiddos, for your students, I feel like it's it's almost like there's always gonna be a reward. Like with my side quest, I let the students go back and correct things. They might level down, they might the the degree that they get rewarded might go down, but they always get to go back and correct. But what they don't what they don't know when they go out on it is the risk there's a risk, you know? So there's that there's a risk and reward. And I feel like that is what is enticing. You know, I could get that ultimate item. Mm-hmm. I could make that pick that's the biggest envelope from the side quest. You know, I could get that next this, or this could become the next story that we laugh about when somebody <laughs> goes on the side quest, right? Because it was that epic. So I feel like there's always that just that moment that side quests give that there's that risk that's involved in it. Um, I think that's what's really fun about it. Yeah, I mean, like, I, for my students, the the biggest, like, risk moment is, it's similar to side quests, in fact, like, by definition, it's almost the same, is my adventure paths, which mm-hmm. is, like, an alternative track that kids can go on each unit, and sometimes they complement what we're saying, sometimes it's just on top of what we're saying, so sometimes it is just sort of more work kind of thing sometimes it's in place of um they're always different but the where i said they're very similar would be that it's optional to sort of opt in to do them but high risk high reward and kids really i don't know kids really have dug those kind of adventure paths and those are are what like you're saying for me in my game the thing that could be that ultimate item, that ultimate sort of power up, they know are going to come from Adventure Path. So when there's that moment, do you want to go on it or not go on it? Like they know they're saying no to like the biggest opportunity or they know they're saying yes to the biggest opportunity. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. So what are some, so how do you, uh, how do you release your side quest for your kids, for your students in your classroom? So what does it look like if I, if I'm in your class? So for me, my side quests get released um, kind of two ways. The main way, like 90% of my side quests come uh, when I start a new unit. So I have the realmofnobles.com, right? I have that like space. Mm -hmm. And in there, there's like this place called this map room they go to. And this always launches us to whatever our current unit is. It's this like library looking room with these globes and each globe takes you to like when we're studying Egypt, one of the globes bloop, takes you to the Egypt page inside Roman nobles, which is just more themed out the same way, but you're all, all Egypt sort of photographs and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And somewhere in there, 
there's going to be like five to the most I think I ever put out was 10 side quests kids could go do. Those side quests, I walk all the kids through. So no matter what your like learning style, learning level is at, everyone knows how to get to this bank of five to 10 side quests. And mm-hmm. that is probably, like I said, 90% of the available side quests to do. Then there's some that are hidden around Egypt. So for those kids that are more the explorers, there mm-hmm. might be two side quests that are like, oh, if you click this place and go into this alley and click this guy that's leaned up against the wall, he's like, oh, I have an adventure for you to go on. I need you to do this, this, and this. And the students that find that can do that as well. So um, those are how my side quests get released. Uh, Very similar, but there's always this like public everyone knows about, and then there's some buried hidden ones. And then I tend to also, on top of that, have a few <laughs> hidden ones that are, again, if you picture my website structure, there are some that are in the realm of Noble. So like my website kind of bounces between where we're at in the unit and this like mm-hmm. unit specific area of my website. And then there's the general, like you're back at the realm of Nobles, Castle Medieval. And there are some side quests that are there as well. Very cool. Yeah. How about you? So we, I, I don't use a website. Um, mine are just pasted, or I shouldn't just say pasted up. They're taped up or Velcroed up on my wall in my classroom. And so I have two different, I have three different, um, like kind of static. I shouldn't say static. Yeah, they're kind of static. Uh, side quests that are going on. And the first one that I use is very simple, low entry, low level. Like whatever they, if they pick it, it should take them like maybe 10 to 15 minutes to complete it. Cause I want that high and I want them to, to take it, take that risk and get that high re- to get that reward instantly. And usually what I do is I take whatever we're working on in LA. So like right now we're working on main idea. So I found some paragraphs that were a, a level below their reading level. Cause I wanted it to be easy to access and high levels of success. And all they had to do was identify the main idea. So they'd pull that off and they could work on it during their resource time or at home and then turn it in. And on Friday, um, by Friday, I grade them and then they would get XP or um, something else that could go along with the game. There's an oxygen tank that they can get for something else that an oxygen I've, tank. I've, I love it. an oxygen tank for something else that I've devised for the, for part of our game. And then the other one that I have that has been a huge success, like I've just I've been absolutely blown away. So Jabba the Hutt has a freighter ship. Because my I have a galaxy theme um, with a high level of Star Wars infused into it, um, but Jabba the Hutt uh, is a smuggler, and one of his ships has as um, dumped cargo, and so I have these little tiny envelopes filled with XP or different things in them, and then students need to break the code to unlock the cargo, and so there's just these envelopes on my wall of level one, two, and three code, and it's just word problems for math, which we don't get a lot of time to work on, but I know I need, it's a skill that my students need to develop. So level one is super easy, like probably a year or two below their grade level and then level two and then level three. And so they pull them out. They can pull three or four at a time. And I've seen them do more math problems to, to pull envelopes of Java's, uh, for Java's uh, uh, um, 
uh, crate crates than I've seen them do in math class. And I have students that are pulling level three problems. That's way beyond what their math level skills are. And they're like, I can use any tools, Mrs. Buckham. I'm like, yep. So they go on the internet and they go on YouTube and they watch videos and they're like, can I go home and ask my dad how to, how to, how to do this? I'm like, mm-hmm. and they go home and they do them <laughs> so it. they can pull the envelopes mm-hmm. off of, <laughs> so they can pull the envelopes off of the, uh, off the glass. I have it on the glass on a, on a window in my room. Um, but what's super fun is like, I added a whole other level of gameplay too. We've talked about this. Um, dice have become like an obsession with me because they've add, they add such a great element of storytelling. Into dice the game. are awesome. Dice are awesome. So they pull the crate, they pull the crate off of the window and it's a little envelope and they don't know what it is. And I love how they like to feel it, you know, like, Oh, this one's really thick or this one's really thin. So maybe this one has this, but they still have to roll the dice because they have to decide because Jabba's a smuggler. So are they going to return the crate to Jabba and be like, you're the boss, you know, I give it to you. And then usually good things will happen to them when they roll the dice. Or are they going to try to negotiate with Jabba to keep the, crate you know because it's really a good idea to to, uh, negotiate with a smuggler right um and then roll the dice and then you never know what's going to happen to you um or they can just try to get away with the with the crate um but it's been it's been super fun and the kids are taking a lot of pride in it they cleared the whole wall of crates that's awesome it was so awesome and i decided what to do i was like uh i'm like okay level two so i upped the ante within the envelope so now it's not just xp now it's given me an opportunity to add in L- items, which will help infuse some story, will h- help infuse gameplay in the game. Like they haven't seen like um, like NOS gas or boosters that they can help them move around on my game board. So I'm super excited with that. And they also like um, cleaned out the envelopes, like the game, the word problems. So there were no more left. So then I had to like up the ante on that. So now level three is at grade level. So these are like for for my kiddos that are, you know, two to three years below grade level. These math problems are like serious business. So it's just, it's been amazing. And to have them all just, you know, funnel around each other. You know how it is when they're asking, when they're picking out an item or rolling the dice. It's just adds this great camaraderie and just this all, it just it amplifies everything beyond, right? So sure one does. kid does it and then the other kid's like, oh my gosh, I want to pull a problem, you know? Um, but for me, leaving a level of problems from, you know, more easily accessible to more challenging gave even your more timid students an opportunity to take a risk that you knew that they would be able to accomplish something. So that's been super, that's been super fun. Yeah, that's a good tip, you know, like leveling your side quests. I didn't really say that, but I definitely do that. Like when I say that here are the eight side quests from this, unit i always try to think of different modalities so there's like artistic ones to like more traditional like write something kind of ones but there are also ones that use less like need less commitment like here's something that you could probably do in you know 20 minutes yeah and then there's some that are like the sky's the limit and kids come in with these like huge creations you know that are like whoa i would never think of that so um that's a really good tip uh, yeah, and I, I'm sorry. Ahead. You were gonna say? I was just gonna add another idea, but you can go ahead. No, no, you better add it because I was gonna flip to the other side of side quests. Well, I just think too that sometimes, at least for me, I thought side quests had to be this—you know, this whole. Um, 
I don't know, just offset of something really huge and creative. And I feel like even just simple board games can offer us opportunities to add little elements of side quests in it. So like, um, I think I told you about this, but I like use in a pickle. So you pull cards, right? And you have to try to have your groups. So there's big groups within little groups within little groups. And so I just put that up on my wall and made it like a code breaker. And they could pull as many cards from the envelope. And if they could convince me, uh, you know, the bigger streak they got, the more XP they got. So sometimes even just simple board games like these childhood board games that our little ones play, sometimes some of those elements can offer really rich experiences in our classroom if we just, you know, tweak the themes of them. They're already there um, waiting for us to just use in our classroom. And I think that that can be really fun for our students. Definitely. Uh, I, I use sort of board games infused inside my class when I can. Uh, the problem I have with that is I have a lot of board games. So uh, choosing, <laughs> choosing which one to infuse and when to infuse it uh, can be tough. But uh, that's more of a personal problem than anything else. <laughs> um, so I was going to say, all right, so flipping, flipping it a little bit, we said that the two most like common problems are the one where we don't think, we don't think anybody's going to go on them. But then the mm -hmm. other is like teacher's time, you know, like this notion of creating something not for the masses, but for like the niche that's going to do it. Uh, that can be off-putting to some. Some are like, why would I do that? Mm -hmm. So in your opinion, why would somebody do that? Well, as somebody who has tried for three years to get SideQuest right, um, I think the opportunity for even just one student to pick something and go on a risk and challenge themselves and prove to themselves that they could do something that they didn't know that they could do or think that they could do is worth the work on my part. Yeah. I mean, that, that was very touching. Well, and on I mean, top right, like, of that, like the if, one, one student will often accelerate the other, will accelerate other students' engagement in it. So you just need one often and then that will help other students um, want to do it more. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely that snowball effect. I think, mm -hmm. I think building on your first point, you know, which was super touching. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, like You're idealistic. Yes, I mean it's it's true, right? We get into this. Like, if you can make one child better, you know, like that's that's worth it. Um, and I totally believe that that's true about side quests and why we should do it. I think it's also just good i mean it's good for us as educators like as educate like as a as a teacher of students that have multiple interests multiple like personalities like this notion of like i'm going to roll something out for my 90 students i'm going to roll something out for my 90 students i'm going to roll like not to call anybody out but like that's lazy <laughs> like you know we 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 should get to know our students. We should understand what they're excited about, what drives them. And if I'm putting together some artistic thing that's only going to hit like 10 students or five students, and and then only a percentage of those students are actually going to go do it, mm -hmm. that's still worth my time. It's like an exercise in understanding my students. What do they need? What interests them? What's just around the corner for some of them? 
that I think mm-hmm. like, wow, this might not be you yet, but I could see how you're going to go on this and it's going to like expose you to something that's going to be right for you at the right time. Um, I think that's the headspace that we should be in. We should be in the headspace of thinking of the students, thinking through what they need. And it's almost freeing to me when you leave the curriculum or the curricular structure uh, behind. When, mm-hmm. when, I, when I leave that this has to be applied to all 90, like things get wonky when you try to, all right, like, well, then I can't do this because so many couldn't do that. I can't do this. And then you just get this like sort of middle, meh, you know, assignment or project because you've clipped so many things off of it to make it fit 90 kids. As right. A, as opposed to being like, yeah, I built a side quest. Maybe only two people are going to go on it, but it's going to be the right two. Yes. And it gives you an opportunity. We've talked about this with with just even gameplay within our classroom. Um, it gives you an authentic opportunity to teach skills that you don't always get to teach yeah. within the class day. Um, and in a, really, in a really authentic and meaningful way that makes it even richer than something that's pretend that we're trying to build within our classroom. Yeah, I think it's really good for students. At least, I don't know, in, in my <laughs> in my line of work, right, like world history, it's not like teaching first grade where like they couldn't read and now they can read, right? Like there is no sort of sense of growth in, in, in my line of work because, mm. especially world history too, because like each unit, it just sort of starts over. Like you could fail my Egypt unit. And then get an A on my China unit. Like there's very like little transfer. Like they don't build on each other. So at the end of the year, you're like, I won some, I lost some, but they don't like they don't like crescendo into like I can now do a new skill that I couldn't do before. Right. Um and so what I love about SideQuest personally is I see students feel that growth. I couldn't use this software. Now I've gone on three side quests that involve some sort of audio editing, video editing, or uh, some sort of graphics layout program or whatever. And mm-hmm. they've gone on three or four of them. And literally they went from like, I don't know how to do anything into this into like now quickly and easily making beautiful productions. That's a growth. That's a, that's a change over time that they don't often see in my class. Uh, and, and I would argue they don't often see in a lot of classes. Like when you get to middle school, it's, it's about incremental change. Right. No, I love it. Yeah. Sweet. I think it's, uh, no, I mean, it's, it's things that I think people should look, look at and think about, you know, adding to their class. I hope more people try. I know a lot of people are on the fence like you were, uh, but you know, given your own testimony, it makes a difference. I mean, kids are, those envelopes are flying off your shelf. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I could tell them all day that they could go home and ask their parents for help. Or I could tell them all day that, you know, using your resources, of course I want them to use their resources and do, you know, use their tools to, to solve math problems. But all of a sudden there's this moment where they, you know, pull a math problems and that they have to solve themselves. And there's no, there's no class or no nothing that's going to, you know, make them do that where they have to, you know, find something in themselves to do it or they have to teach themselves that that's that software. They have to, you know, um, 
reach out and ask somebody for help. And it all of a sudden makes it really authentic opportunity for them to go after, to go on a quest, right? To find and solve right. and create an something all by themselves. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Well, I can't believe it, but our time is up. So we have, we have this last bit that you know all too well. I do. Reflection time. Carrie gets a little nervous. Let know. <laughs> I do not get nervous. He just likes me to answer first so he can steal my wisdom. <laughs> All right. So we're at reflection time. And are you ready for our quote? It comes from Elizabeth Gilbert. She is the author of Eat, Pray, Love. Very popular book. Involves yes, Italy. It is. Involves Italy. And I love Italy. Yes, that, you do. That is the eat portion of the book. <laughs> All right. Here's her quote. I think it really hits home for what we're talking about. Uh, Keep showing up for your side of the job and give genius a chance to do its part. How does that, how does that hit you, Carrie (laughs) Malcolm? Well, it speaks to me beyond just the side quests that we've been talking about. And I, I feel like that for me as a creator, um, it's that it's everything about being a creator, showing up, keep creating, keep putting stuff out there, keep creating side quests, keep creating opportunities for your students. And even when they don't work, you just never know when that one is going to work. But if we stop putting them out there and stop moving forward and stop creating and pushing ourselves, then we'll never find, um, the one that does work. And I just feel like we just have to keep creating and putting them out there, um, improving our skills. And then we're also going to end up um, improving what we're putting out there for students and then their opportunity to show us what they can do. I agree with everything you said. <laughs> uh, for me, the quote, I, I like it. I think, like you said, as somebody that tries to create and tries to push myself to learn new things, new skills, it's amazing how much genius is sitting right there on that other side and you kind of just have to show up and sometimes it's not right away. So I don't. I don't mean to imply that you. It's just hard show sometimes. Up. Yeah, I don't mean you just show up and genius is there. But it is <laughs> like it is on that other side. It is, it is there, and we do. We just need to sort of show up and continue to show up, so that genius then does end up getting produced. And it's there, though. I, I firmly believe it's there, and and you can feel it. Like there's probably some places that. Me spending my time, genius isn't going to show up for a really long time. <laughs> and it might not be worth me trying in that category. But there are countless number of categories that it would be worth my time to, to show up in. And I think it's fun to be reminded of that. Agreed. And I guess ultimately, when I think about the quote again, this is that's everything a side quest is, right? We yes. want our students to continue to show up each time because they just never know where their genius might be. That's right, and especially us teaching young kids that, like, they don't know yet. I mean, they don't know what's – they don't even know what possibilities are out there. So, you know, pushing them to try these things is a good a good push. Absolutely. Well, Carrie, thank you so much for joining us again. My pleasure, as always. It's super fun. And everyone else that's listening, if you've made it this far into the podcast <laughs> – uh, why don't you go ahead on YouTube and leave us a comment? Carrie and I a comment. There's 
always the video of each week's podcast up on my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash Mr. Matera. And uh, yeah, why don't you go ahead and leave us a little, little feedback. And everybody, truly, it's an honor having you listen and learn with us each and every week. Take care.